This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show! Spoiler alert! What Did You Watch This Week is a candid discussion about recent movies and TV shows, and it may contain spoilers if you haven't watched them yet. Listen at your own risk. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 19 of What Did You Watch This Week? My name is Mike. My name is John. And we're here to talk about stuff that we watched this week. Yeah, that, that's it's a tried and true formula. We've been doing this for, oh, geez, what, uh, 19 episodes now? And 19 it, episodes. It seems to work out, so why mess with success? Yeah, I don't want to, I mean, we are the number two podcast on the Nerdy Legion Network. Only trailing behind Valiant Central Podcast, which was the original podcast. So, I mean, we're doing good. We're do- we must be doing something right. We're doing good. We're doing good. Anyhow, and that is a fact, too. Anyhow. Uh, so, yeah, John. Yes, Michael. The question on everyone's mind, the question on the minds of everyone who's listening to us. Who is the shadow? This week? Who is the shadow? <laughs> only the shadow. Uh, what did you watch this week? This week, I uh, I actually took in a number of programs this week. Fantastic! Uh, yeah, it was um, it was an enjoyable week for watching some shows, catching up on some shows. I had some catching up to do. My DVR was up to like eighty percent, which is pretty rugged. But it's quite a bit. Yeah, um, I th- I think I should start right off with one that we can both jump into. Sure. Uh, much like our Batman versus Superman viewing party, mm-hmm. you and I had another viewing party this week where we sat down and we watched the Blu-ray version of Con Man. Yes, we did. And it was phenomenal. It was awesome. Now, for those who are looking this up on IMDb as they're listening to it, this is not the movie Con Man. Uh, this was a passion project that a few years ago Alan Tudyk got an idea. He's been to a lot of conventions in his day for, you know, roles in Firefly and Serenity and uh, a few other things that he's done, but mostly for those. Yeah, mostly And those. what did he say? He's done some voiceover work and such, but he yes. said that he has like 10 years of experience in the con circuit, and he had seen a lot of stuff. He'd gotten a lot of stories from other people in the con circuit, and he said, I'd like to write a show, basically. And it was done kind of like a Dr. Horrible sing-along blog, only much longer. Yes. And it was done through crowdsourcing. Crowdsource funding, yes. Originally, you could only watch the episodes by buying them on Vimeo or subscribing. Mm -hmm. And they decided that they had enough popularity that it was an overwhelming success in the crowdfunding. They actually got more episodes than they expected. And you could tell by the end of it that the budget had increased because there were some pretty good special effects going on there. Yes, there were. But, um, yeah, so they released it on Blu-ray and put in, like, gag reels and commentaries and all the fun stuff you'd come to expect. Yeah, the feature itself is 148 minutes long, and that consists of, is it is it 13 or 14? Uh, I believe it was 14. Yeah, I believe, okay, yeah, it's 14 roughly 15-minute episodes. Yep. And, um... On the Blu-ray, the way they did it is, if you watch each one individually, 
then you're going to get the opening credits and the full closing credits. But if you do the play all, um, they didn't group it together. So you'll, after each episode, you get the opening credits again for the fall for the next episode. Uh, but you only get the closing credits once at the end. Right. And those are some and, uh, long credits. Very long credits because everyone that uh, donated on their crowdsourcing there got a mention. But uh, if you're expecting to see your name, you're going to have to do some slow motion still by still. <laughs> yeah, there is a wall of text. And, I mean, it is fine print text for all the names. And it runs for a good couple few minutes yeah. in the background of the other credits. So, yeah. Yeah. There you go there. But anyways, no, it was wicked, wicked good, and it had a fantastic cast of some pretty like well-known actors like Nathan Fillion, who was basically <laughs> number one guy in the crowdsourcing. Like he was all in the like donate to us and blah blah blah. But yet he was almost a cameo character in most episodes, <laughs> and he wasn't even in every one of them. Right, he was uh, usually there for like a um, FaceTime chat with yeah. Alan Tudyk's character. But he was in there pretty heavily for the last couple episodes. Yep. And let's see here. Henry Rollins is in it. and um, Pretty much if you've seen a, a Joss Whedon film or show, oh, somebody Joss, from that is in it. You know. Joss Whedon's in it. You know, <laughs> Summer, Glau. Uh, Summer Glau has a cameo. Jewel State. Um, Felicia Day had an awesome character for Felicia the first Day few episodes. Felicia Day had a, a fantastic character. And, uh, yeah. So pretty much... Oh, I can't Chloe's name in real life. Chloe's name in real life? Not Chloe. You know, Wash's wife. Oh, oh, Zoe. Zoe, Zoe. I'm sorry I said Chloe, Zoe. I worked last night. Zoe. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah, I can never remember her I can't name. think of her name, but she's in it as well. Yep. And then, like, uh, Milo Ventimiglia's in it, and then there's – and he plays himself. Yes. Uh, the other people play, play – yeah, the other people play – characters on the show yes um but yeah it's really 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 good yeah nolan north actually plays a recurring character who is a voice actor star and yes. anybody who's played a video game or watched an animated show in the past 10 years knows who nolan north is yeah. but he doesn't play nolan north he plays another voice actor guy who is very crude and very rude and awesome yes. yeah but yeah so there's like a lot of great great characters in here uh, geeky characters, well-known ones, and they're either playing themselves or other characters on the show. Yep. On the you know on the episodes or whatever, and it tells a great story of a guy who basically played a pilot on a sci-fi show, <laughs> and who the captain of his ship was Nathan uh, Fillion. <laughs> yeah, and the show's been off the air for ten years or better, thirteen years, whatever it was, and. He is he, – he basically, like, that is what he has become. That is what he's known for, and it eats him up inside that he can't get out of the shadow of that show. Yes. And that the only person that really has was the captain who's gone on to greater and bigger things, and – but he just can't get out from the shadow of doing this show to the point where he just – he hates it now. And he doesn't really want anything to do with it, but because he goes on the concert, because that's where he probably makes all his money, he has to be completely enveloped in it, even though he doesn't want anything to do with it. 
Right. He's constantly looking for something else, you know, a voice yes. acting gig, an actual movie, yeah. uh, even a Broadway type performance. But yes. he's stymied at every corner because everybody sees him and says, oh, we missed the show. Oh, we miss yeah. Spectrum. Oh, we loved you as the pilot. And he he yeah. will more than once tell them that he hates sci-fi and yes. he hates the show. and. Yes. I'm really hoping that that's not Alan Tudyk's real thoughts about Firefly. I would Serenity. imagine no, because I don't think he could have made that if that's how he really felt, or right. if that's how he really felt. His character was probably filled with way more venom and hatred. Oh my god, as a way so to much himself. venom and hatred. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but no, it was fantastic, and there's some truly hilarious moments. Oh yeah, and um, some at near the one up a couple episodes near the end. Maybe some really inappropriate racial stereotypes, but done in a humorous, <laughs> acceptable way. Yeah, because they were literally supposed to be inappropriate racial stereotypes. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> and, and this show also has running gags, like really good running gags. I won't yes. even get into it because they're worth watching. But one of them that is kind of a blink and you'll miss it thing is that right in the beginning, he's in a hotel lobby and the bartender is Casper Van Dien. Yes. From uh, Starship Troopers is yes. where you'd know him most. And throughout the series, every time he's at a bar, it seems like the bartender is Casper Van Dien. But well, he doesn't, no, it doesn't seem like it. it's him. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. have any speaking lines per se. He might say yeah. like one or two things here and there, but then he just vanishes. Yeah. And it's hilarious when you pick up on it and you start noticing every time. Even if he's not interacting at the bar, there's a bar in the background and there's Casper Van Dien shaking a shaker. It's yeah, awesome. That was pretty great. This is a high recommend for anybody who likes mm. pop culture, anybody who likes Firefly or Serenity, oh, yeah. um, anybody who likes funny stuff. Unfortunately, and it's not really that bag of, big of a deal, but it's not on Netflix, it's not on Hulu. You can't even really buy the DVD in the store or online yeah. anywhere except from their website. Yep. Or if you go to Vimeo, you can rent the digital versions. I don't know if you can buy the digital copies. I so, and they've done an excellent job with uh, keeping it off all the piracy websites as well. Yeah, yeah, it was just like the only fantastic. way we were going to watch this was to actually buy the Blu-ray or go to right. Vimeo. So, and my theory was, if I'm spending the money on Vimeo, then I'm just going to buy the Blu-ray. But I didn't have to because it was a birthday gift from my buddy John. <laughs> um, so I can just own it and have it forever. Yeah, yeah. So if you. If you have the money to spare and you're like, you know what, I like this kind of stuff, and you want to see Joss Whedon behind the scenes playing somebody who he should not be playing, um, <laughs> if you like this kind of stuff, if you liked Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog, yeah. I strongly recommend you find a way to check this out. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Be careful. Like I said, there is at least one movie, maybe two out there when I IMDb'd it, that are called Con Man. It's two words, C-O-N-M-A-N. And uh, do yourself a favor and check this out. Share it with your friends. Mm -hmm. Share it with your loved ones. And support it because they've already started season two. And they're going to bring Eliza Dushku in on it. Right? It's going to be awesome. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So that was good. Yeah, it was. Now, what about you, Mike? Well, I watched a a mixed bag of things. I'm going to jump around a little bit. Okay. And I got something I just kind of wanted to touch on that I, I watched and I couple weeks ago and I have I've forgotten to talk about it so real quick I watched a movie a little documentary and I don't even know why I watched it but I did and it um, I just call it was called the yellow brick road and beyond 
It's on Hulu. It's 51 minutes long. And it basically talks about the books and all the film, stage, and television adaptations. And, of course, they heavily look at the 1938 Julie Garden version of The Wizard of Oz. And they really look into the author, uh, L. Frank Baum. And between television, film, and theaters, there's been well over 50 adaptations of the original 14 books. And most of them are all focused on the original Wizard of Oz story. Um, and it basically just talks about the history of it, him, the productions, what went into him, and everything else, and how it's kind of become part of Americana. That's it. It was really good. It was interesting. If you like The Wizard of Oz, check it out. Cool. And then, uh, uh, for whatever reason, I got a hankering to watch The Red Green Show on YouTube, which I did. There's plenty of episodes out there you can find. If you didn't watch The Red Green Show, you probably are missing out. I used to watch it when I was a kid on Channel 10, my local PBS station, after Are You Being Served? And basically, it's uh, Steve Smith plays Red Green, the leader of Possum Lodge. He's a duct tape handyman, and it's pretty damn awesome. The show has a bunch of little skits in it, and the running gag, of course, is he fixes everything with duct tape. They did 15 seasons with over 300 episodes between 1991 and 2006. So it was just a little nostalgia thing for me. Damn. Yeah. That's a lot of seasons. It really is. For It was a Canadian show, but it was basically done on public television solely between Canada and the United States. So that is pretty significant. And they're about half hour each. So. Nice. Want to talk about Dark Matter? Dark Matter, are you caught up? I've watched I watched episodes two and three. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk about shaking the show up. Well, you know, episode two is pretty fantastic, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, they, they escape the prison, they get aboard the Raza, they got three others with them. Which was we nice. Him, we not trust them. Right, and it was nice because I was worried that this whole season was going to play out on the space station, or on I the jail. I they had to get on the boat. Because the the premise of the show is this crew on this unbelievable ship. Right. And if they're not on the ship, then it's not really... <laughs> and it's kind of how they're all known. They don't know them as bounty hunters. They don't know them as murderers or mercenaries. They're like, you're the crew of the Raza. Yeah, exactly. That's their that's what their, their namesake is, if you will. Yeah, exactly. But when they got on the ship, they're minus two people from the original crew. No. Uh, the dead guy... Yeah. And uh, the one who stayed behind as, um, oh, what am I trying to say? Talking about the black guy? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, he's on the ship. He got shot. And they dragged him on the ship, and he was going to die, so they put him in a stasis. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the only one one that's left out is one, because Jace, uh, whatever, killed him. Right. Yeah. And we still don't know if we're going to see him back or not. Right, we don't know. And then, again, these three people are, like, you know, uh, not loose cannons, but, you know, just like, can they trust these three? Are they spies? Are they not spies? Right. But They, they, really they were fellow inmates at the prison. They were fellow inmates at the prison, yes, exactly. Yep. Yeah. And they pulled off a picture-perfect, you know, escape. Right. Because it's TV, and they have to. Exactly. So, um, you know, me, I'm not a sadist type person, but I do, I, I do enjoy a good fight and killing scene. It's <laughs> like, yeah. And then there's the scene and I know you, you know, you know what I'm talking about. 
is when uh, they bring five to the android to get android to, to you know tell them what they know and give her her information that she yep <laughs> and she's like you know I'm a crew of the ship she's and the android's like yes and you have to listen to you have to listen and do you have to listen to what I say and do what I say correct she goes yes everything okay kill them all and I was them like, all. like I didn't expect coming at all I think last time I had mentioned to you that this was one of those where the title of the episode is kill them all and yes, that it explains comes it right up there. to it yeah. Yeah. I had a little Peter Griffin moment you know where I was like oh they said the name of the episode they said they said the name of the thing and the thing and she sure did because that's the thing is the android on that ship you often forget she's so calm and so demure almost you know she has her own little problems and she's like yes yes that would be highly unlikely that we would be able to do that and she stands with her hands behind her back yeah. and you know she's just kind of a petite blonde woman right. and then when she goes into Terminator mode you yeah because she's not like Data no, no personality of his own. She has a personality, or she's developing one. Yep. But she's still the more technical, reserved, Spockish type person. Yep. But yeah. man, she can go to town on a group of people. Yeah, yeah. She killed. The, she did kill them all. <laughs> I thought the investigator, the the girl there, because she had been spared a couple of times in the fight scene. I thought somehow she was going to get out of it alive, and she was going to keep chasing. No, right in the face. Yeah. Just yeah, shot no. right in the face. Yeah, her orders were to kill them all, not oh, kill some of them and then take a prisoner. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, I didn't know if five would be like, no, 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 don't right. kill her. But like, no, no, just shot right in the face <laughs> and then escape. So. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's a great show. You know, this is kind of neat uh, for me. Like one of the actors on the show, mm-hmm. a guy named Jeff. I'm gonna butcher this. Okay, but like Jeff uh, Teravainen. Sounds good to me. He played Lieutenant Anders of the Galactic Authority Command. Yes. And uh, he's, uh, I don't know if he's a fan of the show, but he liked some of our tweets and made some comments and everything. So maybe he listened in. Nice. uh, To the episodes. But unfortunately, he got killed in episode two. (laughs) So he didn't make it to episode three. No, no. He got, well, it's believed that he's been killed in episode two because he's the guy that, as we spoke of early, um, I think it was six or the the black person who became the, who, as it turns out, was a member of the Galactic, Galactic Authority. Yep. That's who we got in the shootout with at the end of the episode. Right. And before they, you know, they hauled him back onto the Raza and put him in stasis and everything. So it is, it is believed that he is is now deceased. Yes. So, yeah. Now that was episode two. Episode three. I don't know how I felt about episode three. I was not a big fan of this episode because I felt like, wait, we're getting like a filler episode already. Yes. That's what it felt like. Three episodes in because it really felt like a big throwaway to me. Yeah. Like the whole mystery of the first season was that these people all woke up from suspended animation and had no memory of who they were. And they had to kind of piece together what kind of people they were. So then in the third episode of season two, they've gotten their memories back. They know who they are. They remember their pasts. They've moved on. They've become better people. So yeah. now they're imprinted with brain patterns from before they went into cryosleep in the first yeah, season. Yeah, because when they were on the prison, uh, the tech guy was trying to get the android to get the information. So she kind of messed with her brain a little bit. Yeah. And in doing so, damaged the link of her and the Raza. So then when it asked her to... So then um, when two commanded, you know, told her to, you know, try to reestablish a manual link, the ship was looking for any way to link with anyone. And apparently they had all scanned their brains prior to going on this mission um, before they were put in sleep. 
Right. And to have backup copies of them. Yeah, exactly. Just in case something happened, because where they're going could wipe their minds or something. So apparently, when the link tried to establish it, it it recognized their brainwaves and stuck it back in them, and it reverted them to who they were before they went into stasis. So they were all very cruel and wicked and uncaring and hateful. And it it was almost like a, an invasion of the body snatchers kind of episode. Yes, yes. You know, let's see what happens when we take three of these people and make them evil again. Yeah, exactly. And essentially the three stowaways work together with five to uh, defeat them. <laughs> right, what once went not wrong. Not stowaways, but the three other people they brought aboard. The yeah, I don't think we can really call them stowaways. No, no, they're yeah. not stowaways. Forgive me there. But yeah, so but the thing was to me was like, you know, at the end of the episode, we have those three, and they're not, you know, the the refugees, whatever. They're not questioning why this guy's silent and crazy, why he's okay again, why we trust him. Yeah, like, they're not questioning the fact that, oh, you guys Wi-Fi, somebody Wi-Fi'd into your brain your old personalities, and you just started acting completely mean and awful, but I'm sure that it'll never happen again. It it wasn't as pleasurable for me as some of the other episodes have been. No, it wasn't for me either. Again, it felt like it was already like a, like a you know, a, a filler episode halfway through the season type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully yeah. it'll pick up for the next week. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, me too. So, um, Hell on Wheels. Okay. So the wife and I sat down last night to watch the final two episodes of the series. Because it's done this year. I hope they made the railroad work. Now, incidentally, we thought it was the final two episodes. It was actually like, there's one more still. Oh. And so when episode, the second episode we watched ends, and it's such a um, tragic downer of a day for Bohannon. Uh and the way it ended, we were just like, no, how can they end this like this? Like, I was ripped. Like, I could not believe how they're ending it. And so, like, I grab my phone and I'm looking and I'm like, oh, there's one more episode next week. We're good. So it was just complete <laughs> anger all of a sudden for how the show ended. And then, oh, just relief. that Okay, great. Because I would always said, like, they got to end with the railroad finishing. And basically what happens in this episode 13 is they do it. The railroad is finished. The, the, the tracks meet up. The last spike is laid, you know, everyone's partying and celebrating, and then Bohannon goes back to his room by himself, and finally, like, the railroad's done, so that's not a priority anymore, and then the tragedy of his life and everything he's lost just comes crashing down upon him, and he collapses to the floor in a sobbing heap, just screaming, and I'm like, is he having a heart attack? And Kate's like, no, I don't, I don't think so. And then, like, oh, he's upset about everything he's lost. Okay, that kind of makes sense. And we're watching it, and then it cuts off, and I'm like, bull crap, it ends that way. Because uh, that would have been horrible. Like, the most horrible ending imaginable, other than he just gets killed or something. Um, so, yeah, I love this show. Uh, episode 12 was utterly amazing. Because um, Bohannon's always been just a, a badass, basically, on the show. You know, he's he's a killer. Um, but he's, I keep saying, um, today, geez, sorry. He's a killer, but he's managed to like hide himself and, you know, not, not have people see the real him. Um, not that he's putting on a front. It's just, yeah, it's what you do, I guess. Uh, but in this episode that didn't happen at all. 
there's this scene where um, this girl that he he has fallen for, if you will, this Chinese woman, is he's put her on a stagecoach for her to escape, and Chang, the head Chinese pimp and boss man of all the Chinese workers on the railroad, is going to go hunt her down because she had been posing as a, as a man, in which he finds out that she's not a man the most hilarious way imaginable. Um, oh, no. And, well, she got hurt. See, she was pretending to be a man because if she was a woman, then she would be made to be a whore. So she was pretending Naturally. to be a man, and her father was like the translator. And so uh, she had taken a, a big tumble and fallen, and he went in to check on him, thinking it was a boy. And he's checking the, the – he can see that he's bleeding, and so he opens up her shirt, and there's – and like – he goes, oh, these bandages are all wrong because she has her boobs all wrapped up, so they're pressed against her, so you can't tell she has boobs. Gotcha. So, like, where the injuries are, there's no bandages on it. And he goes, oh, these bandages are all wrong. Oh, hold still, and he cuts them loose, and all of a sudden he just runs backwards because he sees boobs. Of course, we don't, but it was just hilarious how we discovered that he was a she. And then, of course, later nice. on, he falls for her and everything. So, like I said, there's a scene where – um he sent her off to escape and Chang's found her and she's in this saloon and she's got a gun drawn on Chang. And all of a sudden you see the door open and Bohannon walks in and he's looking up at her at Chang and Bohannon tried to do the right thing. And he tried to buy her freedom, like buy her contract and he refused to sell it. And so Chang started doing one of his speeches. Well, I have been outside and this is how it's going to end. You're going to give me my whore back. And all of a sudden Bohannon just drew his gun and shot him right in the head. I always find those to be some of the most satisfying kill scenes. Oh, it really, really was. And he slumps down, and then he turns, and he's heading for the door, because Chang's got like a half dozen men outside. And he heads for the door, and he just stops, and he just looks back over his shoulder, and he looks at her, and he just goes, wait here. And then he steps outside, and all, it just, boom, boom, boom. And you're seeing it from her point of view. So you're watching him through a door or through windows, or you're just seeing like the people like running down the sidewalk and then they get killed. And then he's reloading his gun at one point. All you see is silhouette through a pulled down shade and this guy runs at him and then blood just smears all over it because Bohannon just stabbed him with a knife and then he shoots him. And then another guy comes through the window. I mean, he destroyed all six of these people. And with, with prejudice, and it was amazing, <laughs> absolutely amazing. I nice. loved it. It was so great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was good. It was, and then he gets done, and he goes, "Now you've seen the real me." And she's like, "That's cool. I'm cool with that." I'm alive <laughs> and, and they're all dead. I'm alive, and uh, yeah. I'm I'm not. Yeah. Oh, but it was just such an unbelievable scene. It was some pretty. I think it's probably the second most powerful scene they've ever done. Back, I want to say, in the first season, they have this – yeah, in the first season, they have this absolutely horrendous like gunfight and hand battle between some cavalrymen, Bohan, and a couple other guys and this big uh, group of Indians. And it is violent and vicious, and there's blood flying everywhere, and people are being murdered and scalped and arrows and guns and knives and tomahawks. And it's all done to like this Mumford and Sung song that does, that's kind of soft and like you know, melodious to whatever. And it's just like it doesn't fit, but boy, that works. <laughs> so you have this really calm like song, and then in the background we have this like very violent, violent scene. So, yeah, 
I was nice. loving Hell on Wheels this week. And there's one more episode. So this is exciting because it's not ending with him finishing the railroad. It's been done. So I, I don't know what we're going to get. Like, I can't even picture it. Or, like, I can't even really guess. If I were to guess, he's going to go seek May down in China because she left for China to try and – yeah, long story there. But still, it uh, – I don't know. It just looked – it was amazing. There. I rambled. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I wanted to say something really quickly uh, yeah. about Killjoys this week. Yes. Because it brought to mind uh, – this week's episode of Killjoys, it happens, you know, it's Killjoys, then Dark Matter on Friday nights. And so Killjoys was in its third episode. And, you know, it also was a filler episode. Like everything, the first two episodes were all story building and reminding us of the, what the world was uh, facing and how this has changed and this has changed. And then this one was the majority of it spent in the wreckage of a ship and, you know, lots of close confined hallways and passages and uh, some mysterious bugs that cause you to hallucinate things and not know what you're doing. And did the crew survive or did they tear themselves apart? It was very much, it was just like the uh, dark matter episode in that not a bad episode, but really felt like just kind of a, let's just put them in something while we figure out what's going on with the rest of the world. Yep. So I don't know if, huh. like, the writing teams are, are working together. Are the showrunners the same? Or, the, you know what I mean? Like, are the shows linked somehow, I wonder? Well, they're both on sci-fi. Groups? They both yeah. come on at the same time. So I imagine that, like, the writing groups might be close to each other. Maybe they do cross over. But it just it felt weak as well. I mean, you know, it's like when you have a season of shows. Like, I know, like, the norm in the past was 22, 24 episodes, you know, something like that. And now we're getting shows that are, are seven episodes. Even or not seven, 13 episodes yeah, or 10 episodes or for a season. And so it's when you have a 22 episode season, you expect a couple filler episodes because they got to get that 22 in there. So they might have some weak sauce stories. But when you're only filling 10 episodes or 13 episodes of airtime, you don't expect them. And so when you right. get them, it can be kind of like, what the heck? Yeah, I, I'm not a – I understand it. You know, not everything can be gold, but right. stick with a consistent world. You know, stick with and, what's going on. Unless, of course, you're the final season of Person of Interest. Oh, my God. Or apparently the final season of Hell on Wheels. <laughs> every episode can be gold. TV done right. Right. That That's how it should be done. Um, so the uh, the latest episode of Dana White's Looking for a Fight takes place in Los Angeles. It's episode 7. It's absolutely worth checking out. They do some uh, – their fish-out-of-water experience is stand-up comedy and eating vegan food. And uh, they go check out some fights, and they see some good fights. So, yeah, it's a, it's a YouTube series. Just go to the UFC channel on YouTube and uh, click on Playlist and then look for Dana White's Looking for a Fight. It, again, it's really, really, really good, and they're going to be filming an episode in Maine coming up here in, uh, next month. So. Are you going to go find where they're filming it and try to get in the background? No, probably not, but that would be pretty cool. Come on. I could see you doing that. Yeah, they're going to be up in the Bangor area, though. That seems like a, a lot of drive just to go aimlessly drive around looking for them. That, yeah, that's true. I'll bet you could find out, though. Facebook is usually lousy with that kind of stuff. Oh, most likely, yeah, I, I could. I don't I don't see how. Because, I mean, yeah, yeah. I totally think I could. <laughs> um. I gotta say, this week 
I know you're not a fan of Angie Tribeca, but I watched this week's episode, and I had to make a note of it because this one took place inside of a hospital where uh, somebody was harvesting organs and selling them on the black market. But uh, the lead surgeon in the hospital was Eric LaSalle, and the oh, awesome. head, the head ER. of the hospital was Noah Wiley from oh, ER. Oh, cool. cool. So That's kind of neat. Yeah, it was just kind of nice to see the two of them. I was like, no way, this is great. I kept watching for more, like maybe a George Clooney or something, but unfortunately, no. But it was still fun. That's kind of neat, yeah. Yeah. Like that. Uh, Brain Dead is finally kind of getting its feet. Um, the episodes, I pay more attention to them than I did in the past. You know, I was just kind of watching in the background, but now I'm paying more attention. It's, I think it's setting itself up more as a comedy, but it's fun. I'm actually enjoying it. You know, it's it's political and based on the politics of right now with Trump and Clinton and everything, but uh yeah, they're starting to make some headway in figuring out that, yes, there are bugs that go into your head, and they're eating a chunk of the brain, a particular chunk of the brain, and uh, they're getting more doctors involved where they're trying to figure out like where they come from and what they are. So at least they're making forward progress. I like that. Pretty awesome then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, wouldn't, I still wouldn't hard sell it, but I'm enjoying it. Well, as long as you're enjoying it. Yeah. Um, well, it really matters. I caught up on the last three episodes of The Last Ship, and uh, it's it's enjoyable. I think that now that – see, the thing was in the is – the, Is the premise starting to wear thin? Yes, because okay. in the first season, it was the fact that there was a mysterious illness, and it had wiped out, like, a huge chunk of the population. This ship was at sea, so they didn't get infected by it. And they had a virologist, and they were trying to find a cure, you know, things like drilling into um, the Arctic Circle so that they could find old, old, old parasites or old, old, old creatures that might have had some kind of original antibodies. Yep. And now in the third season, like, the cure has been found. It's being distributed. Yeah. The, the government has started to rebuild. They've got internet access. It, like, the world is moving on. So it's kind of not as much fun. So what the hell are they focusing on, then? It'd be kind of like if we were watching The Walking Dead, and then we got to a point where, like, the zombies were pretty much contained, yeah. and civilization right. was rebuilding, and they just had to deal with, like, infrastructure stuff. It, so, you know, like, right now, the big conflict on it is China. You know, yeah. the, the president of China doesn't want to spread the cure because he claims that the cure that they got was killing his uh, civilians. And they're saying, no, you must have gotten fake cure and, you know, placebo or whatever. So the U.S. could go to war with China. But it lacks the punch that it had when it was like one ship out there in the middle of the ocean and there's a Russian destroyer coming at it. And they're both trying to sink each other or playing cat and mouse with a rogue submarine that the captain wants to uh, create a civilization of people who are immune and kill off all the people who are not immune to the virus and restart the world. Now it's just like politics and boring. So yeah, I'll probably stick with it, but it's really not keeping my interest like it used to. What else you got for me? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you had something more. Sorry. Nope. Uh, I, I mean, yes. I do have more, but. Oh, okay. Apologies. All right. So I watched a. Uh, I watched a couple movies. Yeah. Yeah. I watched. Um. I, I gotta. I watched a movie called Camino. 
It came out in 2016, so it came out this year. It's 103 minutes long. I found it on Netflix. And I decided to watch it because it stars Zoe Bell, and I'm a big fan of hers. And she's known mostly for her stunt work, and her first big, like, on-screen role as herself was in Quentin Tarantino's Death Proof. And she was playing herself as the girl that was riding on the hood of the car as Stuntman Mike was yes. uh, chasing and crashing them into. So... Um, she's done a bunch of other stuff and she's had some cameos a little bit here and there. And then she's done a lot, a lot of stunt person work in, in doubles and everything. Like in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the TV series, she doubled for um, Buffy there. Sarah Michelle Geller. Sarah Michelle Geller, thank you. So anyhow, um, In this flick, she plays a photojournalist in Colombia with a group of missionaries. And when she photographs the leader killing a child, maybe it was a child or um, or whatnot, a Gnostic child, I'm sorry. She, she, see, she photographs the leader of this um, um, missionaries killing this child, and he turns it on her, blaming her, and rallies the rest of these well-armed and uh, people to hunt her down into the jungle. And, of course, the scenarios are every time she meets them, it's one-on-one, and then them turning on each other. And, of course, the main bad guy is super arrogant, think he's untouchable, and comes back to haunt him. Dun-dun-dun. It's a good flick. And then watching that led me to watch Mercenaries, which is also on uh, Netflix. came out in 2014. It's 90 minutes long, and it's a mockbuster of Expendables 3. So in this instance, the president's daughter has been kidnapped by Bridget Needle. Bridget Needle. Bridget Nielsen? Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. She's the main bad guy, and he's dem- and the president's demanding stuff. Now, Cynthia Rothrock, she's a female martial arts movie star from the late earlys, uh, early to late 80s. Oh, yes. She is a uh, CIA agent, and she puts together a team of expendable all-female agents will have to break out of prison uh, to go on this mission. So they had to go break these girls out of prison. And they did so not by going along and asking them nicely, hey, come with us. They, you know, tase them. So Zobel's the leader of the group. She's a former Delta Force, and uh, she was court-martialed for standing up for her beliefs. What? Something wrong. Okay. So she assaulted a commanding officer and got court-martialed. And then Christiana Loken from Terminator 3 in Blood Rain uh, as a Marine sniper. Uh, Vivica A. Fox. And other than Kill Bill, I don't know what kind of action star she is. but uh, Oh, she had anyways. those running scenes in Independence Day. Oh, that's right. She ran. That's true. People re- definitely remember that movie about her in that movie with her running, not her in her red uh, stripper outfit. Oh, she was a stripper. I, she I was completely a stripper forgot in the that Independence part. Day. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that that's not what she I was paid a, attention she to. She was all. a dancer. A dancer, yes, that's right. A dancer. So, anyhow, and then she's a former CIA agent um, that had uh, been arrested, and uh, was she actually ends up betraying the team and giving them away. And then the final member of their four woman team is Nicole Bilderback. And again, not sure what kind of action star she was, but she was the explosive exit in pilots. So they rescue the daughter, kill the bad guy. They all get beat up and shot, and they all walk away together in the end. And uh, except I just, the one that uh, turns on them, right? Yeah, I would assume, her. I guess. And there's this—I love this hilarious scene 
where they've got all the girls in the room together and they're sitting down in the chair and Cynthia Rothrock is in there and she's walking up and down the table reading each one of their files and reading all their like uh, personality tests? Well, yeah, basically like what branch of the military they're in, what stuff they've done, you know, what these special missions they've gone, how many people they've killed. It's very comical and over the top. How each one that gets read off seems to get, you know, better and better or bigger and bigger or more and more. Yeah. <laughs> what, did you get the sense that, like, it was written by somebody whose um, military experience was, like, watching The Expendables? Pretty much, or Full Metal Jacket, yeah. Nice. nice. So, yeah, but it's, a, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a decent enough flick. It's worth your time. Okay. I think. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? What you got? Well... I caught up this week. Uh, I fell into the same kind of trap. I uh, caught up on 12 Monkeys. And this show to this day is one of my favorites because, as I'm sure you know, and anybody who's listening to this has heard, one of my big things, one of my key demographics is time travel. Yep. You give me stuff with good time travel in it, you know, Doctor Who, can't wait for it to come back. But, you know, I'm, I will pick apart time travel quite often in movies and TV series and such. But uh, this show does it so well, and they keep track of it so well that I just I want to applaud the writers group that does this because the way that they keep track of it is yeah. astounding. They've got these scenes like one of the most recent episodes that I watched. I thought that I had gotten all of them, but I came to the end and it was like next week on the season finale. I'm like ah, but uh, one of these scenes, you know, the main character Cole is talking to this other guy who he's befriended and who he works with. Uh, he's a um, FBI agent from the 40s, and he's talking to him, and the guy's like, look, Cole, we're friends, right? Cole's like, no, we're not. I barely know you. And the guy's like, oh, okay, so you haven't – yeah, we haven't done that yet. Okay, yeah, don't worry. It's coming. And so as they do this show, they meet people out of time. They meet people at different points in their lives. So like yep. this version of Cole is talking to this guy who has an established relationship because you know that now in the future, Cole will be hanging out with him more in the past. It, yep. It's weird how they can do those crossovers. But one of the key things, like originally the whole premise was just like the movie where there was a mysterious plague that appeared in yep. – you know, yeah. like 2015, and it wiped out most of the population. They want to go back in time and try to stop the plague. Now we're dealing with the unraveling of time itself. Because they have to figure out what it was that actually started to begin with. Right. Yeah. Who started it, where it started, etc. Yeah. Thing. So now we've moved on to the point where there are these people called primaries who – can basically they seem crazy but they can see time they they know what's happening at all times and they're kind of insane because of it uh but there's a group called the messengers who are going back in time that what they do is in the future they dig up the bones of a primary take one of their bones usually like a hip bone sharpen it down go back in time find that primary when they're still alive and kill them with their own bone and in this universe the premise is that two that, that the same object can't occupy the same space at any uh, point in time or it will cause an cop. explosion. Yeah, like exactly. Cop. It's the yeah. time cop thing. So when they use a piece of a primary to kill that primary, it causes a huge explosion, a huge paradox, which unravels part of the fabric of space and time. 
it's phenomenal. The storytelling is so good in this show. It it blows my mind. I love it, and it keeps me rooted every week. Like I like building up a lot of episodes so I can just watch back to back. And I thought I'd gotten all of them, but now I have to wait for the season finale. Grr. But if you like time travel, if you like good writing, if you like a good mystery that jumps around a lot and character development, check out 12 Monkeys. It is great. Um, I do know from the previews of the next episode that we're finally being introduced at the season finale to um, Madeline Stowe's character, which is cool because, as you probably remember, she was the female love interest slash doctor person in the movie 12 Monkeys with Brad Pitt and uh, yes, what's his name? Bruce Willis. Uh, Bruce Willis, yeah. Yeah. But I'm not going to give anything else away. Yeah, I mean, from what I uh, I watched of it, you know, because I watched just the main feature. I didn't watch any of the special features or anything like that. And um, I don't know. It's a scenario where some parts I did find very confusing because it had the camera. Um, oh, when I did – when because I, I watched the first season. I don't know what I just said, but I watched the first season of the show. And um, I kind of fell out with it. I really wanted to stick with it, but I did enjoy the time travel aspect of it because, like you said, he would meet people out of order and be like, all right, so have we met before? When did we meet? Or you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. one of the best scenes was when the uh, when he met the tall man and the guy's like, oh, don't you remember? You're the yes. one that gave me this scar. Yes. Like, and the, oh, my God. <laughs> the tall man is played by um, – um, I know who he is. I can't think of his name I want to say Tom Noonan. But it's not him, is it? I don't remember. It's not John Malkovich. No, it's not. It's not. And it's not Matt Furrer who shows no, up in the second no. season as well. Yeah, I know who the tall man is. I just can't remember now. But he's great. Yes, he is. He's great. He's great. And, um, yeah, I kind of I, I, I stuck through the first season. I haven't watched any of the second season yet. Um, I'm friends with Tiffany Shepis on Facebook. Her husband's a writer on the show, so she's always plugging in, and it's always popping up my feed. Mm. So it makes me want to watch it. Yep. I just, I just having it. I almost feel like I'm just going to wait for it to be together and I'll just binge it. All right. That, that yeah. works. Uh, the season finale is this week right here that we're in. Yeah. So. so I guess that'll be, I can binge soon. Now, speaking of some of my favorite shows, Mr. Robot came back this week. I can, I, I am, I'm geared up to watch Mr. Robot. <laughs> I am not going to give away plot points or anything. Yeah. I will say that the second season has already just floored me. I loved this show when it came nice. out. Nice. It's one of the few shows that I could watch an episode over and over again and never get tired of it. Nice. Um, it's It portrays hacking the way that it should be portrayed, which is very gross. Yep. Like it's not just fingers flying across the keyboard because you have to have the specific commands. You have to have the right directories. Um, and most of quote unquote hacking these days is social engineering. You know, yes. you don't magically just like, Oh, I'm going to click a few keystrokes here and I'm going to get somebody's password. It's social engineering. It's finding out who they are, you know, figuring out their pet or, or, calling up their workplace and saying, hey, this is Tom, you know, I, I'm locked out of the network. Can you send a reset to this email address? And getting a, re a reset in there so that you can reset their password. Anyway, the show is phenomenal. It's dystopian. Yeah. It's macabre. It's beautiful. And the first, th this was the season two premiere, but it was two episodes back to back with very limited commercial interruptions. Um, the whole show plays out like a movie at times, like an old 80s movie from the nice. logos to the uh, credits and everything. 
And to the point where after the first episode, it actually put up in big block letters, intermission, and it sat there for like 30 seconds, and then the second episode just started right up. Oh, I like that. I loved it. But this picks up where season one left off, like uh, maybe a few weeks later. Uh, There's a person from the first season who's missing. We don't know what happened to them. We don't know where they are. We as the viewers have no idea, and neither do the characters. So... It's fun seeing that mystery unravel. It's fun seeing how some of these characters have moved from the first season to the second season. Um, They actually have, and people have asked me about this. I haven't done the research on it, but there are several actual press conference clips of President Obama talking about, like, what happened, what's going on, and naming the Hacker Collective F Society by name. So people are like, well, did they just dub in stuff? Did they get a voice actor? I don't know. Um, they, kind of neat. Yeah, they've got video of him talking to the press, and it syncs up with the audio, so it be interesting to find out. This is such a great show, though. People, you need to be watching this show. It's so effing good. I love it. Uh, we watched some more Orange is the New Black this week. Okay. And I, th- I think we've watched episode 11 or at, at episode 11. I know we're almost done. Wow, you're way ahead of me. Yeah, yeah, and I, I'm not going to give away much. Because of that or anything. But I will just say this. There's a key thing that happens when you're watching the show that they make you try to forget. And it's they try to make all these prisoners and inmates be very sympathetic characters. They try to make you feel bad for them and feel for them. And then when they have these couple guards that are just basically scumbags and they treat these inmates poorly... Um, you know, you, you do. They become they become the victims, and you feel bad for them, and they make you feel bad for the inmates. But at the end of the day, what you need to realize, and I understand it's fictional, the end of the day, what you need to realize is they're in prison. They're criminals. They did something wrong to get there. They murdered someone. They stole from someone. They robbed from someone. You know, they were druggies. They did something. They hurt someone and did something bad enough that they're not in county jail. They are in prison and there's one new guard this season that when he was introduced uh piscatella i thought that he was gonna be like the big head you know a-hole of of all the guards and that you know he was gonna shake things up and you weren't gonna like him but he's not at all i really like his character i like his character because he's straightforward he takes no guff he gives no guff, and he constantly reminds the inmates, you are criminals. You are here because you committed a crime. Like when they say, oh, that's not right. You can't do this to us. You know, like because he denies them, you know, like he he denies them something. And so they try to file a grievance, and he reminds them that they are criminal and they're in prison. Had you not done this crime, you would not be here. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Like there's not enough jobs to go around. So instead, they teach them construction skills, and they have to work to build a new dorm, but they're not going to get paid. So they go, well, that's not fair. We shouldn't have to do this work to get paid. And they go, and he's, his response is, you're criminals. Had you not done a crime, you would not be here, and you could have a job. And he walks off. And I'm like, he's right. They're criminals. I think it's great. So... But, the man, the guards, there's some guards doing some really messed up stuff to some of these people. And it's just, it really is like, 
I know it's a TV show, but you know it just it makes it look like there's a lot of like crooked guards out there. But when you know there isn't, but yeah, it's just there's some really messed up stuff going on, and and you know it's one of those snares where like you do want to see them get their own in the end because of the stuff that they are doing. Um, right. Yeah. But yeah, it's a great show. Definitely watch it. Nice. Yeah, anything? Any other shows or movies? Yes, I've got two more things. Sweet, well, I got three technically. Yeah, go ahead, go with one. Well, I uh, sat down and watched only the first episode. Yeah, but I have watched the first episode of Stranger Things. Oh, I want to watch that so bad. I've had so many read so many great things about that. Man, I like this show. Yeah, I can't wait to. I. I I don't want to watch it on my tablet. I don't want to watch it on my phone. I want to sit down. I want to watch it on my TV. I want to get like a full experience from it. I it, just don't know when that's going to happen. It took me back because yeah. like the music in the background, the score for this is yeah. all 80s. Like there's yeah. a little synthesizer in there. There's some yeah. pop music. Um, when the kids are riding their bikes down the street with the lights on the front of them and that music's playing in the background, I was right back watching the Goonies again. Nice, nice. Yeah, the the credits, you know, when they're doing the people's names and everything. Yeah, it looks like 1980s kind of font. Nice. Uh, it's I set love it. in 1983, so that's why all of this yeah. stuff. Well, uh, I mean, the trailer just looked absolutely amazing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's it's fun. I've only watched the first episode. It's they go by chapters, so it's chapter yeah. one, and then they have yeah. the title of the chapter. Um, but. It's one of those that I feel like if I sit down and watch it again, I'm going to binge right through the whole thing because it's already got a good story. It's already got some compelling characters. I'm watching four, like, I'd say nine or ten-year-old boys yeah. playing a game of D&D in the basement of the house, and I'm just oh, losing well, my mind because it's yeah. so awesome. It makes you want to play D&D again. Yes, it does, and it, it makes does. me want to play with does. these kids, you know? Yeah, I mean um... – I've read a couple other friends, like uh, a fan of the show, Aaron Bell, uh, has I think he's he's I think he's watched the whole series already. He ended up binging it. He just absolutely loves it. Martin thinks it's great. I mean, there's so many other people that I know that have watched it or watched an episode at least, and just they've fallen in love with it. So yeah, Jared actually uh, messaged me and said that he watched the first episode. It was right up my alley, and I needed to check it out. And uh, I've got a couple other friends that I talked to and, and sent them to it, and they've already started binging it. So, yes, this is a great show so nice. far. Nice. It's part mystery, part horror, and, oh, it it just brings you back. It brings you nice. back to a better time when we had phones on the wall with I cables know. coming out of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Oh, <laughs> so good, so good. I'm loving it, and I can't wait to watch more of it. Fantastic. Uh, did you watch Preacher this week? Um. Well, I'll I'll set it up hold for on, you. Let me see. He sent uh. He sent Eugene to hell. Yes, and now we're dealing with the and uh, the and at the end of the episode, and then at the beginning of the episode, it picks up right where it is, and now Cassidy is seeing that he did what he did. Yes. Yes, I did watch that episode. Yes. Yes, and yeah. that was the thing. Like Jesse never saw the guy in the beginning who he told you know open your heart. And the guy yeah. cut his own heart out. He never yeah, saw no. the ramifications of what he can nope. do with his voice. Nope. It was only now when Eugene was pestering him and getting on his nerves, and he just yeah. bellowed out in that you know voice, "Go yeah. to hell!" And the kid went to hell. Apparently. Yeah, he just sort of disappeared. 
Well, I thought he had like a combusted corpse. Like he looked like at the end of the last episode, there was like, oh yes, that's right. When there. he dug up the floorboard, yes, yeah, and he was like yeah. all burned and charred, and yeah. yeah. And so now, most of this episode, a little bit of a slower episode. Yeah. Uh, we're getting more flashbacks. It seems like we either get episodes where we have the Ratwater story, or we have flashbacks of Jesse when he was a kid with Tulip. Yeah, cause, and that's what we got in this one. Yep. Because I was actually a little disappointed we didn't get more of the Ratwater story, because I'm very intrigued and interested as to where that's going. Well, I noticed that uh, when we saw Ken Canyon's office and he was building that model, you know, of the whole battles, battlefield yes. and everything, yes. he had that one tree with a guy hanging from it, which yes. looks suspiciously like the tree from the Ratwater story. I saw that as well, so... I, 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 too, saw that and made the connection. Yeah, but it was a lot of talking in this episode, a lot of uh, people like, you should do this, you should do this, and Jesse moping about trying to yeah. contemplate the fact that he may have just inadvertently sent a child, well, yeah, 18, 19-year-old, yeah. to hell. Yeah, and then Cassidy shows him who he really is. Yeah, and Jesse doesn't really take it that well. No, he doesn't. He has a very hard time with that, yeah. I like how he threw the uh, fire extinguisher to Jesse, and he's like, what's this for? It's for me. And then he steps out into the sun and just, woof. Yeah. But they never they never establish if Jesse actually uh, put him out or did anything if he just left him there. Right, because he just came back inside, and he's like, he's a monster. He did a typical movie thing. Yep. I'm inside. My buddy's on fire. I'm just going to sit down in this chair now. Yep. Eat some food. Not really say anything about it. Yep. Pretend like nothing happened. <laughs> Maybe it'll go away. But the episode did end on what looks to be a fun setup for the next episode. Oh, yes. Absolutely. You know, basically, we all thought that King Canyon followed his instructions, you know, to serve God. And he tells him, nope, nothing could be further from the truth. I am not serving God, and you do owe me your father's church. And Jesse's like, no, I'm not giving you his church. Get out of here. So yep. now the army of King Canyon is coming. Yeah, I think they're going to be met with some resistance. I think that there will be, because <laughs> I think Tulip, for one, has been itching to kill some rednecks. Uh, yes, she has. And there are certainly plenty of them coming with bulldozers and steam shovels and shotguns. Yep. Uh, Cassidy probably wants to uh, kick a little arse himself. And then there's Jesse and his uh, yeah. Genesis power. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't see things going well. No, but I, I think we're going to enjoy yeah, it. I want to oh, know. Yeah, I'm going to love it. I want to know what it is about Ken Canyon that it seemed like he was following Jesse's instructions, but then he murdered yeah, all those when people. Yeah, killed all those people. And but, now he's come to him, and he's like, "Nope, this is the yeah. deal." So now it's like he just killed those people for shingles. Yeah. 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 So perhaps this is perhaps they're trying to draw an allegorical thing like the God, like God and the Devil or something. Yeah. Between Jesse and King Canyon. Could be interesting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the next episode. Uh, the only other thing that I really watched this week was uh, I went to the theater and I saw the new Ghostbusters movie. And you'll notice that I said the new Ghostbusters movie, not the all-female Ghostbusters reboot. Yes, I'm actually going to go see that tomorrow with the kids. It is not an all-female Ghostbusters reboot. It is the new Ghostbusters movie. Yep. Um, yes, the stat, the cast happens to be all females, but the cast of the first one was all males, and we didn't call that the all-male Ghostbusters. We called it Ghostbusters. That's true. So this movie was 
awesome. I'm just going to lay it out there. Glad I, to hear it. I know that the critics aren't like overly positive about it. Some of them liked it. Some of them didn't. It's not getting terrible reviews. They say that it only made like $46 million at the box office and that The Secret Life of Pets still dominated it. Yep. That's fine. Um, for what it is, I loved it. I thought that the humor was wow. great. Wow. It, it was so much fun, like tongue-in-cheek humor. Chris Hemsworth, his character, was a riot. When he came on the scene, it wasn't even like him delivering jokes. Like At one point, he reaches up to pinch that the bridge of his nose, but he does it through his glasses, Yes. And they stop him. They're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, wait, you, you don't have any glass in your glasses? He's like, no, it kept getting dirty all the time. So, you know, I was tired of cleaning it, so I just took them out. Yeah. But he still yeah. wears the frames because, you know, he needs glasses to be able to see. That's awesome. He's a dumb animal, and he does it so well that it's hilarious. Uh, but the best character of all was Kate McKinnon, who I was worried about. Because I've seen Kristen Wiig, and I've seen Melissa McCarthy, and I think they're both – Awesome. They're so funny. They deliver lines great. Oh, they, they are hilarious. But Kate McKinnon, I haven't watched all of the new Saturday Night Live. I haven't seen her acting chops that much, except for in bit parts. She was a riot. Oh, like, nice. You can't even compare these characters, by the way. You can't say, oh, well, was she the Bill Murray character? Because this right. movie is not a rehashing of the first one. This is not like, oh, we tried to follow the story or we just recreated. It is its own thing. It has its own story. It has its own characters. It has its own world, basically. Now, uh, so but so it doesn't take place in the same world as the original Ghostbusters flick? It doesn't because nobody ever mentions the original Ghostbusters. Uh, nobody talks about, like, what happened 20 years ago. So it's not the same world. Uh, okay. I don't want to know too much more. I'm not going to ask too much more because I am going tomorrow to see it. So. Right. There are nods and Easter eggs throughout, yep. and they are great. Uh, nice. I will also say watch through the credits all the way, okay? Okay. Uh, anybody who's listening to this, watch through because in the beginning of the credits, they have like um, more funny scenes, and they're a riot. Then they play music and they show scenes from the movie as the credits are going. It's a very entertaining credit roll. Yep. But then at the end, there's a PS, and it's great. Okay. Well, um, I look forward to it. Yep. But the movie itself, seriously, don't go into this thinking, oh, it's going to ruin my childhood. Oh, they're, they're trying to destroy it. This yep. is Ghostbusters in name only. You know, they – you're going to watch it and you're going to go, well, wow, this is not a rehash. There's no Dan Aykroyd character. You know, this – you can't say, oh, well, this is obviously a copycat of Dan Aykroyd. No, nothing in this recreates the first one in any way. Well, that's good to know. Yes. That's good to know. It was so awesome. speaking of reboots or sequels or whatever, yeah. I recently read that uh, October 27th, 2017 is the re release date for the latest Saw chapter, which uh, I've heard is being called Legacy or just Part 8 or whatever. But, you know, for a good uh, several years in a row there, we got the Saw movies always around Halloween. Yep. And now this one's back, and it's uh, James Wan and Lee Winnell, I guess, are going to be like executive producers or consultants on the movie. But uh, it's got a different uh, different writer and different directors than any of the other flicks. Interesting. So it'll be interesting to see what they do and where it goes and what time frame the movie takes place in. Um, hold on one second. Hmm. So because of that, it made me want to watch Saw. And I went on uh, Netflix and looked, and there was parts uh, five and six. Oh, 
Yeah. So I watched, I mean, not five and six, six and seven. So I watched part oh. seven, the final chapter again, and oh. it, was, it was decent. It was decent, but, you know, not as good as the original. And uh, That was definitely, in my opinion, a movie series that got worse over time. It really did. Like, I remember we, I remember I saw everyone in the theater because the first movie blew me away. I may have mentioned it to you once or twice how much I enjoyed it. Once Especially or twice an ending. hour for the next oh, three weeks. Well, dude, on that, okay, the whole movie's going down, and at the end of the movie, Jigsaw rises up from the floor, and the music is phenomenal, and it's building to this crescendo, and he just gets up, and he's like, ah, oh, and like, you know, Adam is realizing, like, this guy was on the floor the entire time. You know, it was just, it was awesome. It was just so amazing, so well done. And, like, the second part was okay, and then the third was better, but then the fourth was, uh, and the fifth was, uh, and it was just a snare of, I'd seen them in the theaters every year, I'm going to keep seeing them. And then I just basically got really ticked off, and part seven was only shown in 3D. Because yep. I'm like, i got to spend three extra dollars for this. I think it's not going to be very good to begin with, but I've seen all the others in the theater, so i got to see this one in the theater, too. So, yeah. I'll be interested to see what they do with it. My guess is that they're going to do like a lot of reboots and reimaginings, and they're going to go more action, more gore, more over-the-top stuff, and less cerebral, like the first one. Well, you know, like, all right, so I, I also read uh, last night, and there's already a release date for it, August 18, 2017. They're doing a reboot on Flatliners. Really? Yeah, uh, it stars um, Ellen Page. And Nina Dobrovi, whatever, you know, uh, the girl from Vampire Diaries. Nina Dobrov. There you go. Nina Dobrov is giving me it. But it's also stated that Keith or Sutherland is in the flick. and it, But it is listed as a reboot, so I don't know what character he's playing. But, yeah, they've already started, like, Edgar of July, this was to start principal photography on this movie. Huh. Yeah. Um, and then speaking of another remake, I just watched the newest trailer for uh, – kickboxer vengeance and this has no release date and essentially um i'm not sure when the flick is coming out but it's basically a reboot of the series with the same story with a few changes but the basic premise is is that eric sloan is a world champion kickboxer he goes to thailand to take on the best and he's defeated by tongpo in the original movie he gets his back broken by tongpo um However, in this movie, he's killed. And it brings uh, brother, um, little brother Eric Sloan, no, sorry, little brother Kurt Sloan, um, goes and finds this uh, martial arts master, kickboxer master named, uh, well, his name was Master Durand, and gets him to train him so he can seek revenge on Tongpo. Um, but... In the new movie, uh, there's an actor named uh, Alan Moosey, who primarily is a stunt player in most movies, and he's playing Kurt Sloan. And Jean-Claude Van Damme is playing Master Durand. So oh, basically, Yeah, so basically he, he's in this movie, but he's playing the, the sensei. You know, he's playing the, the uh, Mr. Miyagi character. But the premise of the story is pretty much the same. Uh, Gina Carano's in it. She's sort of underground fight uh, promoter, I think. And then Tong Po is being played by uh, Dave Batista. Oh, Guardians really? of the Galaxy fame. Yeah, yeah. Huh. 
And this was funny. Like they started filming the movie a long time ago. And then the guy that plays uh, Eric Sloan died in his sleep on set after he'd already filmed all his stuff. So they got delayed a little bit and then they finally went back and they finished shooting the movie. And, um, well, the simple fact is it has not even been released yet. And they have already started filming, not pre-production. They are filming a sequel, Kickboxer Retaliation. And once again, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme is in it and, uh, the guy playing Kurt Sloan's in it again, Alan Moosey or whatever. And um, what's interesting to me is like the original Kickboxer franchise spawned four sequels. Uh, none of them starred Van Damme again. His character was uh, kind of killed off screen in between first and second movie. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but I've never seen a movie that has uh, – they're already filming the sequel before the original's even been released yet. And Weird. what viewings they have had, it have been a bit negative. I can't imagine why. Yeah. So. <laughs> but I'm still going to check it out because, you know what, the trailer looks pretty darn awesome. Okay. Well, I'll let you check that out and <laughs> I'll trust you on it. And then again, the, the, the line again, but the last thing I have to talk about is... Kevin Smith's yoga hosers. What about it? Well, okay, so this movie, I feel like this movie got shot like two years ago now already. Yep, it did. And it just, I don't know if it's because like um, on on uh, Instagram, I follow him and his daughter and then on Facebook I do. So I'm seeing all kinds of updates about this or that and this and I'm just like, why hasn't the movie come out yet? Well, like, they, they wanted to do a Sundance thing for it. And they didn't do it last year. They finally brought it to Sundance this year. I don't know if he was still editing or what. He's been famous for saying before that he's the type of guy that will just shoot a scene and then walk away. You know, he's like, yep, that's what we needed. Okay, walk away. Whereas, you know, he talked about when he was on the Flash set that they wanted him to reshoot it like six or seven times so that they could pick their best one out of it. And he's like, that's just not how I do things usually, but okay, I'll do it. So... I feel like you're right. He's had it made for a while, but has just been sitting on it. And then this year he finally took it to Sundance. It got mm, okay reception and they finally put out a trailer for it. And people are like, yeah, okay. We, we kind of care. We kind of don't. And now it's finally going to come out to the rest of us after all this time. Well, um, I mean, I guess, yes. <laughs> well, then. Sorry. I lost track a little bit, but that's okay. Um, but I, it got pushed back from June 29th to September 2nd. And is it actually going to be a theatrical release? Do I don't think- know. I don't know if they're going to go just on demand with it or what it is, but I feel like I've seen so much of this, I just want the darn movie to be out. So that you can be disappointed in it. So I can be disappointed in it. I'll tell you, Tusk was just disturbing. Yeah. Like, disturbing to a level where I don't want to watch it again because I guess that's a bravo to him if that's what his achievement was. It wasn't a disturbing to, oh, this was just so terrible. It was like, I just, I don't want to see that again type of thing. I've gotten the impression that was not his intention. He had a stupid idea and wanted it. people like hashtagged it. So he was like, but, okay, I'll make a movie. But people just, also named I, a research vessel, Bodie McBoatface. 
I so. feel I feel yeah. I feel like Justin Long did such a great job portraying a person who's been transformed into a walrus that when you say it you laugh and it sounds comical. But then you watch it and it is truly, truly, truly disturbing. Yeah, I don't know that I'll ever watch it. I'm I don't big... I it is like I, I, I watched it with uh Johnny and uh it's just a scenario of like I don't know if I'll ever watch that movie again. Yeah, I mean it's it's really it's really that messed up. Yeah, you know to me, you know, and it was just like wow, like okay. And then you know you hear about yoga hosers and it looks kind of funny and it looks good the trailers and the things you've seen, but it keeps getting delayed and delayed and delayed. And then Moose Jaws just sounds awesome. It's but, a moose. Yeah, but he hasn't even started production on that. No, he hasn't. And then the other thing too, though, is that he's talked about. Oh, he's going to make the new Clerks movie. He's going to make a new Mallrats movie. And yeah. these people have signed on. Well, I, where are they? Right. Stop been... smoking pot and doing podcasts. Do <laughs> I was just going to say he's doing nothing but podcasts lately. Yeah. Where's the time for this? Exactly. <sighs> so that that surmises my news for the week. I picked up a bit of trivia from. Uh, I was looking at a commercial and I saw those M&M's commercials with the red M&M and the yellow M&M. Yes. And I had to look it up and I couldn't believe what I saw. I The red M&M is voiced by Billy West, which that's yes. fine, you know, Fry from Futurama. Yep. But the yellow M&M, do you know who voices him? No. J.K. Simmons. What? J. Jonah Jameson. No. J.K. Simmons voices the yellow M&M. The, hey, how's it going? Really? Yeah. Kind of blew my wow. mind. That is kind of neat. Because the last big J.K. Simmons news that I saw was that picture that we all saw on the internet where he was getting absolutely jacked in the gym, uh, preparing for his Commissioner Gordon role, which... Oh, yeah, that's right. That's I right, yeah. don't understand why Commissioner Gordon needs to be jacked like that, but... I don't get it either, but yeah, yeah. He's definitely got more discipline than I do. Same here. My body doesn't look anything like that if I were to stand <laughs> next to him. Hell, if I was to stand across the room from him, it wouldn't look anywhere near him. But yeah, yeah, sweet. That was well, my fun trivia. That's a good one. I never would have expected. <laughs> Didn't John Lovitz do the red M&M for a while? I believe he did, yes. I swear, like maybe back in the 90s or something, or when they first came out. I yep. swear it was John Lovitz, you know. <laughs> Got a very distinct voice to him. Yeah, he really does, like Gilbert Godfrey. And I'm not saying that's a good thing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So cool. Well, that's all what right. I got. All right. Well, I guess we'll call it a podcast. All right. Yeah. Next week I'll be going, or this week here, I'll be going to see Star Trek at some point. So, I know this movie's coming. I want to go see the Star Trek movie. I want to go see the new Bourne movie, the yep. new Jason Bourne movie. I know I'm going tomorrow with the kids to go see. Well, my goal is to see Ghostbusters, but I swear to God, if they want to go see Secret Life of Pets, I'll go, but I'm not going to like it. I've heard prob- it's actually really good. I probably will like it. I like those Disney Pixar movies. Nothing wrong with that. No, there isn't. Zootopia was fantastic. So, Yeah, I've basically got a movie a week for the next little while here. It's going to be nice. Star Trek, then Jason Bourne, then Suicide Squad. Yeah, and then I'm going on vacation. Uh, I leave this uh, Saturday morning. I'll be gone for a week. So my next week's viewing is going to be interesting when we do that show in the – when we tape the show for August 1st. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably going to be pretty limited on my part. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, it just probably will be. <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah, absolutely it is. Sweet. Cool. 
All right. Well, uh, I guess uh, if you have any notes, questions, comments, concerns, or queries, you can find us on Twitter. The show is called that. What did you watch? And I am Superstar ML. And I am the Quantum Geek, which is G33K. And you can find us on the Facebook at What Did You Watch? Yeah. It's a nice yeah. little Facebook page. It is. It is. It is. I'll throw some trailers up there. I'll try and link that uh, kickboxer trailer so you can watch that and go like, wow, Dave Batista. Thank God. Dave Batista's lost some weight. <laughs> he kind of does look like Tong Po. And he's, he's a good Tong Po. Tong Po. It's fun to say. That, that's what I'll be thinking when I'm not watching it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and because my son does love Winnie the Pooh, I have seen the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh at least a dozen times this week. Maybe I didn't sit and watch the whole thing, but it's been on and I saw it. It's pretty cool. Excellent. Yeah. So, all right. Thanks a lot. See you later, everybody. Bye.